To the untold hour. It is me, Bowser, solo, but with a guest this week. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize. We took a couple weeks off. I think Jessica and I both got pretty busy. She's been busy filming, and I have been busy uh, for the last few weeks doing the job for E3. Uh, I can't really say what it is, but I'm not trying to be coy. It's just that uh, the job's not released yet, so I can't say. But I was directing and producing something that's going to run during E3, and it was a lot of fun, but um, it was a long one, and there was a day where my call time in Burbank at a studio was 8 a.m., but then I had to virtually direct something online at 3 a.m. for London, a, a London shoot. So there was a day a couple weeks ago that knocked me out for a number of days after. Uh, it, 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 it was rough. Uh, but anyway, we're back in the groove of it now. We're slamming. We're jamming. I've got a lot to talk about. I've got things I could rant about. I've got things that I shouldn't rant about. I've got personal life updates. I've got Grammy Boy updates. Where do I begin um, why don't I just start with a uh, little personal update. The planning for the Onyx film is going well. We have a location, and I can't announce the location yet because we haven't signed the agreement, but I, I am really excited. It is haunted, and I just want to say, in a couple of months when we're making this movie, I mean, we're going to be in a haunted mansion uh, somewhere on the East Coast. I'll say that. And I'm so excited. I'm excited because the mansion location rips, and I'm so glad that we got it for the dates that we needed it. But secondly, um, I'm so happy it's haunted because I want some stuff to go down. I don't want anything to go down that would hurt anybody or freak anybody out too bad. Um, I was actually having a conversation about this with my friend Sapphire, and she was like, you need to be careful. You need to protect yourself. And we were talking over Marco Polo. And I was like, I know, you're so right. And then literally, like, finished Marco Poloing her while I was on my hike. And then ran into friend of the show, Kira Von Sutra. Uh, who, if you don't know Kira, she's a wonderful person and tarot reader and friend to the show. And I ran into her on my hike, and I was telling her about Massachusetts and the location for the film and how excited I am. And she said, you know, I've had, I had one of the most intense supernatural psychic experiences of my life in Massachusetts. Bows, you got to protect yourself. And she said, let me make you some jewelry. Let me make you some talismans, some amulets. And I said, you know what, Kira? Load me up. Load me up. You know how some directors... They wear suits when they direct. Some, uh, like Hitchcock, like to fall asleep in their director's chair. Well, my thing is going to be wearing protective amulets and jewelry. And I don't know another director that would do that unless Chris Angel counts, which he probably does when he directs things. Uh, he probably wears amulets. 
Anyway, so I wanted to let everybody know that uh, that we are um, that we are booked at this location. That we're super excited, and I'll be sharing more details as we go. I want to gripe about something real quick, and it's it's like you know a real lame thing to gripe about, but I've got nowhere else to gripe about it. But I went to Palm Springs for a few days, and. You know me. I went with some friends, but I also brought my Onyx wig along with me, and I was going to make some TikToks, and I thought it'd be funny to do some Onyx TikToks as if he's on vacation and as if he's trying to relax. And I uploaded one, and there was a barrage of fucking comments that were like, so this is what you're doing with the Kickstarter money. Ha ha ha, I see. Oh, I see. So you were a con artist. Oh, it all makes sense now, scammer. It all makes sense now, you fucking shitbag. And I was like, God damn. First of all, the idea, I don't take out the, the fact that people were thinking I took the Kickstarter money, half a million dollars. So I took half a million dollars and drove two hours and stayed at the Ace Hotel for three nights and what? Spent half a million dollars in Palm Springs? Like, what annoys me about it is that going to Palm Springs for three days, if you live in LA, you know that's one of the least extravagant getaways you can do. Everybody fucking does it. You go to Palm Springs for a few days. You go to Joshua Tree for a few days. It is not a giant expense that you have to plan a 45-day-long Kickstarter campaign in order to con people into giving you enough money to pulling off that trip. So beyond the fact that the accusation is inane and coming from dumb people, it just bothers me as a four on the Enneagram that anyone would misconstrue anything about me when it comes to how I'm fucking spending that money from that Kickstarter. You know how I'm going to spend the money from the Kickstarter? Making a goddamn movie, motherfuckers. Because guess what? The only thing I care about in the world is making a goddamn movie, motherfuckers. If anybody knows me, and if anybody has known me since I was, I don't know, say six... They've known that I've been consumed with one effort and one effort only, directing movies. It consumes me. When you look at me, and when you look at me making TikToks from Palm Springs, just know that what I'm really thinking about is making a goddamn movie, motherfuckers. That's all I'm ever thinking about. So much so... To where I can't fucking relax, even on a trip to Palm Springs. And it sounds like I'm very privileged to complain about this. I made TikToks. I took Zoom meetings. I wrapped up jobs. I planned for the fucking location scout I'm doing to Massachusetts at the mansion. The amount that I was doing toward the film while on vacation was a detriment to everyone else's fun that I was with. And yet I was still getting accused by dum-dums on TikTok for misrepresenting and misspending the money from the Kickstarter. That's the end of the rant. It makes me fucking angry. And you know what makes me the most angry is the fact that I'm made angry by it. Because I know the response should be, well, those people are idiots. They don't understand you have four other jobs as a producer and that you're working all the goddamn time and that that's the money you used to go on vacation for four days. Also, 
that my fucking wife has a job. It like this is a part where the misunderstanding of who Onyx is and what Onyx is actually becomes frustrating because I'm all for the game of oh I thought Onyx was real. Okay, cool. But when it gets to the point where you think Onyx has conned people into a fake Kickstarter and he's using that money to go to Palm Springs, like, that's when I just want people to fucking wake the fuck up and get that it's a character, that I'm a professional, that I'm a filmmaker, that I've been doing this since I was a fucking child, and get off my back. There's a point where the confusion around the character stops being fun and funny, especially for the creator, and just starts being obnoxious. Like when I'm accused of being a crisis actor. Get that fucking lizard people conspiracy shit out of my circle. I can't fucking stand it. I think that's why it's so triggering. Because the people that are so willing to align their thinking with conspiracy theorists, like thinking I conned them on Kickstarter, that's like two steps away from thinking I'm a crisis actor as far as I'm concerned. And so it's fucking triggering. Anyway, wow, didn't know I'd be yelling about this, but I've got to be honest, I haven't been able to complain about it to anyone. And I guess that's what the Untold Hour audience uh, gets when it's something that just happened. Now, I'm probably not going to do Weird of the Week because I'm going to yell for 15 more minutes before my guest gets here. No, that's not true. What I wanted to do was talk about... The uh, the thing that led me to asking this guest to come on, and they're not even really aware of uh, of why I asked them to come on. I go in kind of fits and spurts of being into true crime. I kind of dive deep until it's like too much and I've got to take a break. And then I go away from it for a while and then I dive deep again. But I've been on a rip, dip, and a trip when it comes to interrogation room videos. I don't know if everybody else is as into these as I am. Like, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. I'm going to talk about murder and murderers, and it's not going to be pretty, but my guest today is a woman named Patricia who goes by Patches on social media. I follow her on TikTok. You can call me Patches. We did a collab during the Onyx Kickstarter. Um... Sorry, I just got distracted by my own fucking angry thought. But, like, yeah, okay. There's no fucking point. There's no point. The point is, I broke my fucking back doing that Kickstarter, okay? I had to put out so much content every fucking day. The idea that I would spend a dollar of that money not on something that's going to end up on screen for the Onyx movie that I've arguably been working 10 years on is, is fucking offensive, It's offensive to my work ethic. It's offensive to my character. It's offensive to every fucking thing I stand for as a creator and human being. And that's all. I'm done talking about it. I'm done talking about it. It made me fucking angry. It made me fucking angry. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, True crime. I've been obsessed with watching interrogation videos. And... I got sent a video from a buddy of mine who's working on something true crime related, and it's from a YouTube channel called JCS, Criminal Psychology. Very popular criminal psychology YouTube channel. Three million subscribers. I used to watch, I've watched some of their interrogation videos in the past, but this kind of caused a resurgence. Now look, let me say first off, I'm not an expert when it comes to mental illness. I'm not an expert when it comes to psychology, and especially not fucking criminal psychology. 
I am an expert in nothing. I am talking about this the way a friend of yours would talk about it at a party who just watched 30 interrogation videos in a row. So take everything I say with a grain of salt and understand I am not intending to offend anyone if I sound to be generalizing or making broad, sweeping statements about different types of mental health or mental illness and uh, different ways that it manifests and exhibits in certain individuals. But I was sent a video called What Pretending to be Crazy Looks Like. I'm kind of surprised in 2021 there'd be a YouTube video with that title, What Pretending to be Crazy Looks Like. I, I thought we kind of agreed that just the word crazy was way too generalizing and too dismissive when it comes to the nuance and complexities of mental illness. But that's what this video is about. Now, it's fascinating because it basically goes through multiple different people who are um, all accused of murder, all of which are guilty. There is a video on their channel of a man who's not guilty. And guess what? He acts like any of us would act if we were accused of murder and didn't do it. He's like, hey guys, what's up? Totally, I get it. You're cops, you're trying to do your job. But straight up, like, I did not fucking kill anyone. Like, I did not kill anyone. So, okay, so figure that out because I'm not supposed to be here. And he's very talkative and he's very communicative, over-communicative, but it's all very convincing and emotionally believable. Now, this video, what pretending to be crazy looks like is really interesting because not to, you know, act uh, uh, above any of the individuals in this video, but... It's very obvious to me. The first person they profile is, um, I don't even know if I want to say their name. The case is really gruesome. It's someone that's accused of killing their mother. And what blows my mind is that while there's no cop in the room, um, he sits there and he's still and he doesn't do anything odd with his body or with his mannerisms. And then the second the cops come in, this guy starts exhibiting, I mean, he's, he's, he's almost faking that he has, um, autism that, you know, he, um, he's faking mannerisms that almost look like, um, stimming or that he's trying to mask. Um, and it's arguably very offensive right away because he doesn't suffer from these, um, conditions and also, you're being filmed, dude. So we can see you not act like that when you first sit down and when there's no one in the room. And then we can see you begin to act like that when you do come in the room. Whatever. That's a very clear-cut example of this guy is trying to act. I'm going to use their words, not mine. Uh, he's trying to act crazy for the sake of being av able to eventually plead not guilty by means of insanity. But this is something that I'd never thought about. You know, pleading not guilty by reason of insanity, what does that really do for you? Oh, man, I'm going to go off about something in a second, dude. I'm going to go off about something in a second. Um, you know, what winds up happening is you wind up in an institution for the criminally insane. And a lot of uh, people's opinion is that's a worse place to be than prison, especially if you are not insane. And, you know, it does sound pretty terrifying because you're going to be treated a certain way for a certain amount of time uh, for a condition that you faked. 
and you will be treated as somebody who is insane. And I guess people think, yeah, but I got out of prison. Well, but you got into a different kind of prison and one that arguably, at least this channel would say, causes even more mental anguish than being in prison. Both sound terrifying to me. But then they cut to a guy who is, uh, you know, very much, <laughs> he did get off. Uh, well, got off. I mean, went to an institution, but... He was found not guilty by means of insanity. And his demeanor was, you know, people often talk about Onyx and whether or not Onyx ha is on the spectrum or would, would he at some point in his life been diagnosed with Asperger's. Um, and I don't think it is possible to, to that's, it's a, it's a fictional character and it's a creation of, from within me. I don't know how you can apply. And it almost seems like to me that's like offensive to that condition because I'm making this up. And so wherever it comes from is is a fictionalized, invented place. And I don't think you can apply a real world definition to that personality because I've I've invented it. But what I do find interesting, and I, I will say, watching this one guy confess to murder, I was like, oh my God, what if a personality can be invented that has a diagnosable condition? Because this guy just talked like Onyx. And I've never been as shook when it comes to something looking or feeling like Onyx um, as I was watching this guy. I mean, I don't know what was happening. It was almost as if there was a rip in the time-space continuum and this man was Onyx, or I invented this character and uh, was going to get sucked into my laptop and be inside of this interrogation video as I was watching it. It was wild. But the man was very matter-of-fact, and he said, yes, I killed that person, and here's why, and I thought about doing it this way, and I thought about doing it that way, and then I decided, okay, I'm going to go through with it, and I did it. And the cop's like, and you don't feel bad for that? No, sir. You don't feel any which way about it? Um, no, sir. So you just assume that person be dead as alive? Um, yes, sir. Uh, that's, uh, that's why I killed him, sir. So what I find interesting is like, and this is where we have to be very delicate, I don't understand the difference between that being defined as insane, but the person who very sanely killed their own mom is considered sane. I Like, if you're able to do something of such extreme action, I guess I just don't know how uh, it's all not I I insane. Because the logic you'd be running on, it almost seems like it's semantics at that point, but I know it's dangerous to see it that way. It almost feels like the logic you're running on at that point is not logic, therefore it's insane. I mean, you're going on mad hat hatter logic. So that brings me to two devastating cases. And I, again, don't look this shit up if, you're, if you don't have a stomach for true crime. But Stephen McDaniel of Atlanta Horrible case. Absolutely horrible case. This man killed and dismembered his neighbor, okay? A 27-year-old um, student. They both were students. He was a law student, a criminal law student. So, uh, 
criminal law student. This is the wild thing. And maybe you, you listeners are familiar with this story. He is interviewed on the news. He is interviewed on the news prior to being a suspect. At this point, the woman is just missing, not presumed dead. They have not found any remains. And he's on the news going, yeah, she's missing. And I, I hope she's okay. I mean, she, you know, she's such a nice person. And, but I just hope she's okay. I mean, it's not like her to disappear. And then the craziest thing happens. The reporter, and this is like a known viral thing, so forgive me if this is old news, especially to Untoldians, but the reporter breaks the news to him that they found the dismembered torso of the woman in a trash can near the apartment complex. What, dude? What? So... Beyond, first of all, I don't want anyone to get away with murder. I definitely don't want fucking Stephen McDaniel to have gotten away with it. But it's hard to not think. If you're trying to get away with murder, why did you, you put the torso next to the apartment complex? So the reporter, while she's interviewing him, says, well, you know, they, 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 they found a, a body. And he's like, is this what? And she said, well, they found a, a body. They found a part of a body, at least. And. They're assuming it's Lauren's, but I don't know. But if that were the case, would you be devastated to hear that she might be dead? And this guy's like, oh, 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 um, so, oh. And what blows my mind is that this motherfucker has the gall to torture and murder a poor woman, but, like, doesn't also have the fucking wherewithal to fake it through... A news appearance? I mean, it's like that horrible man. Was it Colorado? The man in Colorado that, you know, killed his... Uh... Yeah, let me see. Let me just make sure. Chris Watts. Who killed his wife and kids. You know, the second that dude was on the news, I was like, oh, hey, that's the murderer. It blows my mind that these people, again, have the goal to commit these horrific acts of violence, but they can't fake it through one fucking news report that right away, because if you think about it, you better be DiCaprio, dude. If you're going to try to get away with murder, you better be also not only a skilled murderer, but you better be the best actor of all time because... The second you're on camera, everyone will be watching to see if your performance is convincing. And then this is a really, really weird, specific, maybe stupid thought to have. But think about how bad people are at judging actors. Think about how many people like bad movies. Think about how many people like bad performances. Think about how many people say, you know... Ryan Gosling's my favorite actor. Emma Stone's my favorite actor. <laughs> Just kidding. But you know what I'm saying. Think about how many people like actors that aren't highly convincing. Actors that are not arguably, objectively, great at what they do. Then think about the cop who has to judge that performance. Odds are they don't fucking know what good acting is either. And so I've sat through so many of these interrogation videos where the cops are like, I just want to be like, he's acting, dude. Like, he's acting. And you realize, not only would it take, this is a, such a fucking convoluted rant to be going on. We need to train our detectives to 
to see bad acting. That's my point. We need to train our detectives to see bad acting because most people in the general audience of moviegoers can't recognize bad acting. So what are the odds that most detectives can recognize bad acting? I mean, holy moly, dude. You know what's funny is, in that Chris Watts video, if you've watched the raw footage of like all, you know, fucking three hours of the body cam footage of the cops talking to him in the house and going and coming and leaving and coming back and going, his buddy right away is like, oh, he's acting weird. Zoinks, because he's a murderer. So anyway, my point is, oh my God, what's my point? Stephen McDaniel, murderer, if, if he was going to try to get away with it, he should have also thought about fucking being Leonardo DiCaprio because the news crews were going to show up and film him. And at that point, he would be asked to give an Oscar-worthy performance. And they, the Criminal Psychology YouTube channel, um, basically says he was faking his insanity. And you can track it. You can track when he decides to play dress up and say, it's the voices, man. The voice is in my head. It's the demons, man. And then you can track him being like, okay, I'm fucking normal. And I just really wanted to murder people. And again, that takes me back to this question of what's the fucking difference. And I know there's a difference because in the court, there's a difference. And in psychology, there's a difference. But why is there a difference? Like the logic that a cold-blooded, sane murderer is running off of isn't that just as insane as the insanity, insanity that the insane person is running off of? Jesus Christ. Let's uh, bring in our guest, Patricia, and I will try to dig myself out of this hole. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I think our listeners are glad I have a guest tonight because I was going on and on and on ranting by myself before you got here. <laughs> and for those that don't know you, um, tell us about yourself. You go by Patches. I found you through TikTok, True Crime on TikTok, which is actually like a really popping scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Tell it's, people it's about what you, what you do. Um, I'm kind of all over the place, but, um, thankfully a video of mine, uh, went viral last, gosh, November, December, um, where I was kind of discussing some true crime hot takes and, um, that's just kind of been what I've been doing. I mean, that's just kind of become my niche, um, discussing yeah. cases and, uh, and what talking was about the people. What do you remember? What was like the initial viral video that what what hot take was it that that popped? So last November in in twenty twenty, there was this theme going around uh, called No Nuance November, where people yeah. were just kind of like saying something and giving it no context and just running. So yeah. I was like, oh, I've got some things to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was just talking about certain cases like Amanda Knox, um, Natalie Wood. Uh, Chris Watts, and just kind of more recent cases. I just talked about Chris Watts before you got here. And one mm. of the things I was talking about, and not to downplay any of the detective work that was done, I mean, I know eventually he just confessed, but is just how obviously fucking guilty he was, oh, like, yeah. on the news, when he was just first talking about it. He's just like, you know, I hope uh, they're okay. I, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, dude. Dude. Um, what, what, what was the hot take? <laughs> what was the hot take that you gave about it? 
Well, this is all alleged. Nobody come for me, please. I can't afford it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, the girlfriend, the girlfriend had way more to do with it than we think. Nicole Kessinger, which her name has changed by now. Um, yeah. There are a couple different YouTubers out there who have really gone deep into this, who they think they have like found her in some security footage at the house, like the neighbor's security camera that caught Chris backing his truck up and you could actually see him putting the thing, the, the bodies in the truck. But there's parts where you could see somebody with a ponytail. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's her and her phone ping near the house. So I that was my hot take. And I it goes a little bit deeper. I, mm-hmm. It's a can of worms. I don't know if you want to open that right now, because, again, don't don't come for me, Nicole. But, um, yeah, that that case is weird. That case is weird. And I, being from North Carolina, I really hated that Chris Watts the whole time was wearing a Tar Heel shirt. But that's he was the point. He was <laughs> totally besides the point. <laughs> But, you know, I even thought that when I watched the, I mean, I hesitate to even call it a documentary, but there was a documentary about it, but it really was just a collection of footage I'd already watched. Pretty much. Um, But I thought that, even watching that, the the amount the girlfriend has talked about and then kind of just moved on from, I'm like, Mm -hmm. what? I mean, she was so involved in his life leading up to those moments I just don't see, uh, yeah, I don't know, unless he had the foresight to really protect her and keep her as separate from the the murders as possible. But yeah, they were like pretty heavily intertwined leading up to those murders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it was just like, but she had nothing to do with it. So anyway, moving on. (laughs) Anyway, so he's in jail, so we're good. We don't need to ask any more questions. This guy confessed. What about, shh, don't worry about that. He's in jail. Just no more questions. You'll see that often. It's yeah. sad, but you'll see that often. If somebody confesses, they're like, oh, done. <laughs> it's like, wait, totally. wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, that, that one's a rough well, one. Well, what's your take on, yeah, it is. What's your take on Natalie Wood? My my co-host for this podcast, who's out of town right now, Jessica Chobot, we did a trip where we um, kind of got a tour of like where all of that went down. Oh, I'm uh, so and we jealous. Were like, yeah, we were like out on a boat and they're pointing out certain alcoves and all sorts of stuff. But what's your take on that? Because that's something that still has mystery surrounding it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I, I just left L.A. Um, I'm going to be back eventually. But that's like one of the one things that I was really trying to do before I moved across the country uh, was go to Catalina Island and take the ferry out there and do a video on Natalie Wood. I mean, it's I just bought the book uh, by, I believe, the the captain. It was called Goodbye, Natalie, Goodbye, Splendor, which was the boat that they were on. I haven't gotten through it all the way yet, but he basically like was recounting events from that night where he heard arguments and he heard the wine bottle smashing and he heard somebody going overboard. And like, there's so much to that case with one of involving an actor that we watch in movies all the time. (laughs) Like, what does Christopher Walken know that he's not telling us? Um, He probably can't. I would be scared of Robert Wagner, too. Um, I, yeah, Yeah. I think an argument broke out and something, something happened to, I mean, a a huge account for this, too. And one of the biggest things to understand is that even Natalie's mom was saying she was terrified of water. There was no way that she would have gotten in that water without somebody pushing her or throwing her. Um, so I, I, I think yeah. something, something awful happened on that boat and her autopsy revealing her bruises and head injury, I believe. Um, yeah, there's a lot to that, that we just, I, I don't know if we're ever going to know. And it's really, 
it's really sad. I think she was absolutely beautiful, and I, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Yeah. What was the, was there a specific case that got you interested in true crime? How far back does your interest in that subject matter go? You know, I, I get asked this a lot and I can't really pinpoint anything. My, my mom is a silent film historian and um, she wrote a book on a lady um, who died kind of mysteriously and um, I've always heard stories about that growing up. You know, she would tell me about Thelma Todd and some of those other Hollywood, like Elizabeth Short and stuff like that. So I kind of grew up hearing stories like that. Um, and then I took I took an AP history class in college taught by the football coach, which was just, you know, weird. <laughs> but he was really interested in, like, you know, not teaching AP history, of course, but he would teach us sometimes about serial killers and would talk about, like, really dark history so I actually did a project for that class on John Wayne Gacy and it just kind of like came out of nowhere I feel because I can't really pinpoint it on anything but it was always fascinating to me to learn about humans doing things like this to other humans like that it just there's people that you pass every day and they you know they know something or it's it's weird you know like the unknown is has always been fascinating to me um whether it's, you know, true crime or paranormal or the aliens or whatever. I mean, I have a tattoo of the Loch Ness Monster on my arm. Like, just weird, weird stuff like that has just always fascinated me. But specifically true crime, I can't really pin it to anything. So I would say John Wayne Gacy just to give you an answer. But, um, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's it's weird shit. I, I like weird shit. I hope I can cuss on here. I apologize. <laughs> yes, you can. You can. <laughs> Do you... Something I was... Something I was talking about before you joined is I have a hard time understanding when somebody is found not guilty by reason of insanity. And and if you don't have a, a, a specific insight into this, no worries. But what is – do you know what the difference is? Because I literally watched um, the confession of a guy named uh, 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 Stephen McDaniel. Well, actually, I don't guess he confessed, but he was being interrogated for a, a crime in Atlanta – and then I watched the confession or the interrogation of Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter. Yes. And then I watched the confession or the interrogation of someone who had killed their mother and who was pretending. Basically, this video is about what it looks like when you're pretending to be crazy and how here's what it looks like when you're faking it. And here's what it looks like when it's genuine. And the guy that was genuine was not hiding anything. He was like, yes, I killed that person because uh, I wanted to. OK, mm -hmm. bye. But like. What's the difference between that and then, and I know you don't know the specific case, but, and then Nicholas Cruz, who they said was pretending to be crazy and even lying about hearing demonic voices uh, to possibly help him when he would plead not guilty by reason of insanity. But my thing is like, whatever, if you're running off the logic of, I'm going to kill this person and, uh, and I'm not crazy, doesn't that mean you are crazy? <laughs> I mean, I don't get the difference between insanity that gets you uh, off and and gets gets the the verdict of not guilty versus insanity that just means you're a, a, an insane person that committed murder and deserved to go to jail for it or prison for it. Yeah. Does my question make sense? Do you have any take yeah. on that? It's it's all it's interesting because I, I have a couple of friends um, who are literally doctors in like forensic psychology and I ask them this a lot um, because I, it's it's weird and I, I also saw that video that video is going around of uh, Nicholas Cruz, too, because apparently he was talking about listening to Mac DeMarco while he was doing this. 
and I love Mac DeMarco. Gotcha. And I was very sad and I'm confused. Like, what do you mean you were listening to Salad Days while you were doing yeah. Um, so Yeah, that's wild. I've asked them a couple of times, though, like, what what is this? What does this mean? Like, because also recently we just had an update in the Lori uh, Valo, Valo, I believe it's Valo um, case where she was just deemed incompetent to stand trial, which apparently is different than insanity. Incompetent just means that basically she can't understand the consequences of what she's done, which apparently is very right. hard to fake. You can't fake that. The people who question you on that, it's yeah. it's very it's a very legit thing. So if somebody is deemed insane, which is very rare, they're insane. But I mean, wouldn't Chris Watts be considered insane for doing that? You know, it's like it's there's a there's insanity yeah, totally. Insanity to some people is one thing. Insanity to the court is different. Um, so it's it's complicated because it's literally it's 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 up to the court system um and they have to do an eval which sometimes they don't do um but they have to do an eval to deem the person competent to stand trial i guess it's 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 weird because also the justice system is just kind of all over the place um but it's it's a complicated answer and i hope i'm answering (laughs) your question because it's it's weird yeah I mean, I get, I, I do understand that, right? It, it, what, what it means in our eyes is very different than what it means in the court's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess that's interesting that the Nicholas Cruz thing you said before we started chatting that there's been some other interrogation room videos circulating on TikTok. Uh, which ones are they? Out of curiosity, that you've seen, I've seen. I had an, one. An, I saw an interesting interview go viral recently, but that I've got a hot take on. But you go ahead. What's one that What's one that you've seen recently on TikTok? Oh, I'd love to hear that. Um, uh, so I had a video that I posted of the Jody Arias interrogation room scene. It, it I posted it, and then it went viral like two months later. It was one of those videos where suddenly you were like, "What happened?" Um, and she's doing like handstands in the yeah. interrogation room, and she's like talking to herself. She's like, "Gosh, why didn't you put any makeup on, Jody? You could have at least." you know, done yourself up first. And everyone's like, what the hell? Do these people not realize that they're being, you know, um, videotaped, like filmed? Um, Amanda Knox, too. I believe she was doing cartwheels. Um, there's no video of that, though. That was just um, people talking about her. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there's been a few. Uh, Amanda Knox, Jody Arias, who, I mean, Chris Watts was a weird one, too. Chris Watts didn't even confess. He confessed to his father. That was an odd one to watch as well. Um, there's also that one interrogation uh, uh, video. Do you know? I don't know which one it was, but the guy was just like sitting still the whole time. They like uh, sped it up, and he literally didn't move for like the three hours. Have you seen that one? That one's oh, weird. No, I'll look that up. He like doesn't I'll... move. I don't remember his name. Uh, the the uh, yeah the Jody Arias one I've seen a number of times in pieces. I don't know if I've ever sat through the whole thing, but. It's weird that her tactic was, I, I think she thought she was coming across not as insane, but it really came across as insane. I mean, mm-hmm. the stuff she's doing, she's like grabbing the tape recorders off the shelf. She's like, are these on? Don't these need to be on? Uh, are, oh, are there batteries in them? We should get batteries for them. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, what? The, what? Um, the thing that I saw go viral on, on TikTok recently, and... I've got a hot take on this, and it might not be what people expect because 
I'm into true crime. I'm into even utilizing elements of true crime in fiction. I write horror movies. I, you know, you'd think I'd kind of be up for any amount of this stuff being digested in any way. But <laughs> I do, I do have a problem with. Are you familiar with Angela Simpson and her audio going viral on TikTok? Do you know about Angela Simpson? She murdered, she tortured and murdered a disabled man. Oh, no. And there's an interview that's famous with her because she speaks so callously and she's saying it so nonchalantly. She basically said this man was a snitch, that he was known in the neighborhood as being somebody that worked with the cops to catch local criminals and get people in trouble in the neighborhood. There's no evidence of this. There's no proof of this. Uh, all signs point toward Angela Simpson just wanting to murder an innocent person. But the interview is viral because, you know, her attitude is, um, I, I, I don't know how you, yeah, her attitude is, is unapologetic. It's, and the, the audio is very clean because it was like, I think it was like a proper news interview. And, and at some point she says, uh, you know, I killed him because he was a snitch. And the interviewer says, well, what if he wasn't a snitch? And she says, <laughs> Well, if he wasn't, oops. And, yeah. you know, so it's very like, like I mean, she's talking like the Joker almost. Yeah. But I I guess what I have an issue with is I get the TikTok of, that we're all getting more and more desensitized to the realities of life a lot of times through social media and through this kind of like disassociating relationship we have with social media. But... I saw specific TikTokers lip syncing to the Angela Simpson audio. Yep. And I was like, and they were like dramatic acting challenge. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. At some point, <laughs> at some point we got to be like, okay, this line? is now, yeah, this is now officially fucked up. Especially because one of the kids I saw doing the lip sync is this like outspoken Christian Disney star who like, has gone off about horror films before on her social media. She's been like, Saint Maud is fucked up. I will never see that movie. People should not be making horror films about Christianity. God is not a joke. And then she sits there oh and lip syncs to an actual murderer talking flippantly <laughs> about killing a disabled man and, and uploads it as hashtag dramatic acting challenge. And I was just like, fuck off. I fuck know. off. Listen, I... I hate it because yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, she she murdered somebody, like, right? That's it's. There's a bunch of TikTok accounts that just shouldn't exist. Um, but uh, romanticizing murderers or serial killers in any form is just beyond the pale. I don't understand it. I totally. I don't get it. And it's you know, I I looked her up. I I recognize her face now that you you gave me the name. Yeah, that video. Yeah, that video is going around with like another clip where they were like, you know, hurt my friend or else or else what? And then that is like, oh, yes, I killed this man. It's like, yeah, yeah I get what you're totally. trying to say. I get what you're trying to say. But come on, read the room. This is right. not this is not it. This isn't it. <laughs> well, I Stop. think you even I think I think one of your videos even called out people and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were calling out people that were kind of having fun with the like Ted Bundy is hot thing. And it's yeah, just that, like that blew up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, you know, come on. It's I, I mean, maybe part of it is how people have to engage with this stuff um, because they can't engage if they actually think about the depravity 
of the crimes, then it's, I guess, just not fun for them to digest it. But turning it into like a 10 buddy was kind of hot. God, it's just ridiculous. Some of the Etsy pages, if you just type in like Ted Bundy on Etsy, it'll make you hurl. Like some of the things that they say about Ted Bundy or Dahmer or, you know. Yeah. It's, I don't even want to repeat it. I mean, it's just vile. It's vile. And like, yeah, I I came for people that, because there are thousands, I mean thousands of Ted Bundy stands Richard Ramirez stands and that's the video that I did where these people were like oh I'm gonna leave my window open at night just in case Richard Ramirez no right no right and I thankfully that video blew up out of all the shit that comes out of my mouth can it please be that one thank you (laughs) right um it's infuriating it's absolutely infuriating like he has victims as young as nine years old yeah are you kidding me and I think one of the things I can feel my face getting red well, one of the things I've always appreciated about your account is that it's always approached with uh, a, a serious tone. Like it's still digesting the information and the and the actualities of what's occurred, and it isn't like an Etsy page with with funny pillows or stitches, yeah. you know, which I think is I so important. Because yeah, I I love learning about true crime, and I want to know more about what makes these people commit these crimes. And I also really like learning about how people and families have healed through these. I mean, the the Night Stalker documentary, I, I don't know if you watched it. Did you watch the one that was I, on Netflix? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was like really nice and straightforward. I just liked that they, I know some people were bothered by like how many reenactment moments and cool graphics and music. And I was like, whatever, it's a fucking documentary. It's got to yeah. have some bells and whistles. I thought content wise, it was actually really straightforward. And I really appreciated the survivor interviews, specifically with the girl who was a victim at a very young age, talking about surviving and learning how to try to have a life after something that for us, yeah, it's like a, it's a blip. It's, it's, they're almost, I think for a lot of the people that make, you know, Etsy shops about them, it's, they might as well be Freddy Krueger or Jason. They're not these Whereas, you know, survivors of these crimes understand these are real people doing mm-hmm. horrible things to their fellow humans. There's nothing kitsch and distant about it. Right. And right. I thought her, her interview was really good uh, mm-hmm. to, to help explain that to people. Yeah, and I think a lot of documentaries miss the point with that. Um, yeah. I, I agree. You know, I am very... Um, What's I guess used to is the word I'm looking for. Gore. I mean, I, when right. it comes to that kind of stuff, that's just the reality of it. Um, I understand concerns of the documentary being too gruesome. I totally get it. It's definitely not for everybody. Yeah. But for me, it was super informative on the victims. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't know that much about Richard Ramirez, but seeing it, I didn't realize the age range of his victims. Me I mean, and with Ted Bundy too, you get a lot of documentaries focusing on him as a person, and while he was kind of fascinating in a way because he was seen as just this upstanding citizen to everybody. We needed a documentary to really focus on, hey, do you remember the part where he like killed a lot of people? Can we focus on that, please? Um, Yeah. So that's what I really enjoyed about the Night Stalker documentary was it, it, it did bring attention to these victims and it interviewed, you know, victims who were putting, what was she like, 
in her early teens uh, in a lineup with Richard Ramirez pointing him yeah. out or something crazy like that. Like, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that I know. at all. So now um, has there been, you know, speaking of kind of confronting gruesome things and uh, has there ever been, there's probably not a killer I know more about than Jeffrey Dahmer. I know a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer. I've read a lot of books about him. I was trying to write a screenplay about him. Mm. I am like highly on edge about the Ryan Murphy, Jeffrey Dahmer show that's coming. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I guess if it's more of the like people versus OJ Simpson, American crime story approach, I, I guess that could be okay, but I'm just worried about the sensationalistic approach I don't want them to do to to the story of Jeffrey Dahmer and sociologically and mm-hmm. what was happening. I don't want them to what they did to Ratchet and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's <laughs> oh, Nest. God. I don't want them to do to Dahmer. But I know one's fiction, <laughs> one's fiction, one's reality. So hopefully their approach is very different. But the point is, I know a lot about Dahmer, but there was still a moment in reading about his crimes where I remember specifically having to like take a break. I got oh yeah physically ill. Is there a case that you've ever read about or been working on for a video of yours where you've been like, I got to fucking take a break. This is yeah. getting too dark. There's been a couple. Um, uh, obviously, ones with kids just... Yeah. I mean, how I can't. I, I'm not a motherly person. I do not want children of my own. I That's not for me, but I don't understand how people could do that. Um, the Hello Kitty murder, um, that one... Yeah. That one I hate. That one I yeah. really don't like revisiting. Um, uh, there's been there's been a few. Yeah, I mean, again, to keep bringing Chris Watson to this, that one of course really messes yeah. with me because it's like obviously, I mean, Chris Watson is like one of the main reasons I have trust issues. Like they really look like they had a really good. They look like they had a good relationship. They really did. I mean, behind the scenes, yeah. now we learn that Chris was a really you know piece of shit person to Shanann, but like. It's just, it's your family. It looked like somebody you would live next to, you know? Like, totally. Um, Did you you enjoy My Friend Dahmer? Because I loved that movie. Speaking of Jeffrey Dahmer. I've got a very sordid, I try, I don't know about sordid, but (laughs) complex relationship with that. I tried uh, for a few years to get get that movie going. Um, (gasps) Before... Before it was even a graphic novel, when it was just a, a, a comic book or two, or a couple issues of a comic, before he'd made the basically Backdurf, the writer and artist, uh, he he released like a a big expanded edition that kind of became the My Friend Dahmer that we know and the one the movie right. was based off of. And I had read his like his thin version of that early. I actually read the manuscript for the expanded mm-hmm. edition. Prior to its release, I was talking to Backdurf on the phone. I was trying to find money to make this thing and adapt it myself years ago. And, you know, couldn't do it. I mean, I was fucking nobody, still am. So I couldn't get anything together. Um, oh, but, no, I feel so bad for bringing it up. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. But I had so, I mean, I had, I was shown photos that had never been published of Dahmer in high school. I had conversations with um, a pastor that uh, the the pastor that like ministered to Dahmer in prison. Um, oh my I God. had a conversation with the Baptist minister that like tried to exercise his apartment once he had left and all this stuff. 
I was in so deep. I wrote like a three. When my friend Dahmer, when I couldn't get that going, I eventually wrote like a three movie long trilogy about Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh and my God. It was going to be this like true crime epic. And I had a movie at a couple festivals that year and, and they were arguably not anything that would lead to a Jeffrey Dahmer biopic. So I was writing the wrong thing, but I had a few meetings after this festival and my movie went around and they were like, what are you working on? And I was like, it's this fucking Jeffrey Dahmer epic. And they were like, dude, nobody is going to be into that. And then like, a year later, True Detective hit, and everybody was like, true crime, true crime, oh my gosh, dark, long serial killer TV shows, please, yes, more. Please, anyway. yes, more. Oh, um, no. But all I, that said, I, that I do, you. it's all good. All that said, I did think the film was, was pretty well executed. I loved the casting. I loved yes. that actor mm-hmm. and loved the idea of this, you know, Disney kid playing the oh, role. Yeah. Um, now we got Zac Efron as Bundy. I know. Now you got Zac Efron as Bundy. Yeah, I hated that movie, but that's a that's a different. Conversation, you know, I guess I wouldn't. I have a weird. I didn't watch it. I didn't even get through. The same director did the documentary, the Ted Bundy tapes or whatever. Yeah, and I couldn't get through that. I, there was something about his approach that was bothering me and I, I should finish the documentary so I can have a better formed opinion on it, but I didn't even watch the Efron movie. Don't don't. Yeah. Uh, for you, Bundy or Bundy to me is Dahmer to you, which yeah. horrible way of explaining that. But, um, they messed up so much in that movie, man. And it, really? it just, it just irked me to my core. And it, what sucks about my friend Dahmer is I, I actually had a great, Experience. I went and saw that movie. I got to meet Ross Lynch, and then I walked across That's the street awesome. after the movie to go have a drink. And Ross Lynch is sitting there with the producers, so I actually got to talk to the producers of the movie. That's and great. They were great, but man, I hate that for you so much. Oh, it's all good. I would not be able to live. <laughs> I think. I think oh, the man. heart. The most important thing to me, which it sounds like you're saying wasn't right about the Dahmer, uh, the Bundy movie, is. The most important thing to me was that, like, the heart was in the right place with my friend Dahmer, and I think it was. I think it was trying to expose, you know, without – it's so difficult. Without trying to bring in too much sympathy, it was trying to explain where he came from and Mm -hmm. what he was kind of – I mean, there was a lot that I think they left out, but I still think they got into a lot of the nuances of his friendships and the alienation he was feeling because of what his – Home life was like I do feel like they tried and they executed something pretty, pretty uh, well done. Yeah, it's I mean it's one of my favorite movies just in general. Um, I think I think it was great, but yeah, the the Bundy movie just was horrible. Oh god, yeah, it was rough. And you know I like Efron, of course. I mean I'm a, I'm a yeah, um, you know, them person who you know and watched him in High School Musical growing up. Of course, it's totally. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there uh, is there an a, like a lesser known um, serial killer that you think deserves more attention from the aspect of like uh, more people understanding their psychology or their crimes? Is there anything that you think hasn't been? Now we're just inundated with true crime and Mindhunter yeah, has everywhere. has included a lot of killers. Um, is there anyone that you find fascinating from a psychological standpoint that you don't think many people in the true crime world? discuss um i mean everybody i feel like at this point has been talked about so it's really rough 
like put I mean uh, right now I think the biggest uh serial killer that's on TikTok is Eileen Warnos. There's a yeah. lot of discussion on her. Um and uh I, I I know that case also really bothers me. She had uh, like Dahmer really rough upbringing and um probably worse than Dahmer if you would ask me, but yeah. she uh she went through a lot and it's still up for debate on whether or not she did it in self-defense or if uh, she just did it because she wanted to. And, you know, that's not really us for uh, for us to decide. I mean, it's it's hard to make that decision. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't I mean, I I'm also on this. Well, now it's again going to be popular because of the documentary, but I'm on a son of Sam kick right now. Uh, David Berkowitz, man, I. Right. That documentary, that that documentary, The Sons of Sam, kind of discussion on Maury Terry's investigations was the, one of the best true crime documentaries that I have ever seen. Um, but as far I as lesser recently, known people, I really don't know. I was recently told to watch that, so you would recommend that? I haven't oh watched that yet. You know, it's so, I for me, it was one of the best true crime documentaries I've ever seen, but people, I'm in, you know, numerous true crime uh, discussion groups and people were like either loving it or hating it. Of course, that's how they go. Okay. But um, people said it made really far stretches to kind of make its point. Like it involves Charles Manson at one point and Studio yeah. 59. And you're like, oh my God, we're all over the place. But it was, I mean, it was the time. I mean, of course, you got to talk about this stuff. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic. I, it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Hands down. Okay. It's long. It's long. Yeah. But watch it. All right, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to watch it. I'll probably even watch <laughs> it uh this week. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I, I mean we could talk about this stuff forever. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I wanted to just so where can people follow you on social media if they want to see more about what you do with true crime? I'm all over the place. But I mean, mainly follow me on TikTok. It's uh yeah. at you can call me patches. That's where I'm at. Um yeah, I, that's pretty much where, I mean, I have a YouTube and I have a podcast, but pretty much everybody's on TikTok. My podcast is Case Craze. It's available on all platforms. I'm a awesome. little behind because I just moved across the country, but I will get back to it. I promise. Um, awesome. And I've got some other cool stuff coming up, um, but I can't talk about it just yet. So uh, just follow me on there. I'll talk about it eventually when I'm legally allowed to. All right. Perfect. Well, Patches, thank you so much for joining us here on the Untold Hour. Thank we you. We'll talk to you very soon. Yes. Talk to you soon. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join The Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at The Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Star Fans Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.